everybody. Welcome to It's Real with Jordan and Demi. In Los Angeles, I'm Jordan Edwards. In New York, we got Demi Ramos. And today, our special guest is Shamir. What is going on, Shamir? Not much. I'm out here. I'm going, I know we talked about this beforehand, but I'm going to apologize again for being like five minutes late. <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. No, and I, I and I've told I, I told the story on a previous episode that Shamir was one of the first guests I had to book through a publicist. It was a big deal for our show to get Shamir at that early stage, and we, Shamir, you were like just a few minutes late, and but you were super apologetic. You were like just relaxed. You had just gotten out of the shower and done your skincare routine. It was just like this angelic presence on the. And at that point, we weren't just doing audio by itself. We weren't doing yeah. video, but it was really like reassuring to have this like kind face on the other end while we were doing the interview. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, yeah, this is like nice, like very nice, like half like, you know, a face to the voice. Yeah. And, also, and pause. What is your skincare routine? I have to ask now that we're on this. It's simple. You know, I, you know, a lot of people detest this. I've seen, good and bad things about it, but I used to just like the normal um like witch hazel um toner. No. I know. <laughs> and um I use that and then I use a um a cannabis based um I what is it? Uh, serum? Serum. Yeah. Oh. And then for my moisturizer I use this like I hate that it's gendered, but I use this moisturizer. It's supposed to be specifically for men, but it works wonders yeah. because it's like it's not too oily. And then, yeah, I just did three part, and then um, I again they say that you're only supposed to um, exfoliate once a week. I exfoliate twice a week. Um, I use this. Uh, I don't know what the exfol exfoliant is in it. But it's like a, it's like a nice natural scrub. And then um, when I don't exfoliate, I just use water. I think it's like good to like you know not have too many like detergents and soaps like on your face too much. Yeah, soap is super like drying for me. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out like the perfect balance for skin for like my skin. But yours is just glowing. It's like. <laughs> My mom actually says she doesn't use a cleanser. She's like, oh, I just let the conditioner run down my face. I'm like, <laughs> you listen, I just started doing a skincare routine um, two years ago. I, yeah. I used to be like one of those people that was just like blessed with really good skin. And like, I what? yeah, this kind of just like, yeah, let, let the like water hit my face. Like if there's like, if I have like, you know, a face cleanser around, I would use it. But like, I wasn't like regimented about it. But like now that I'm in my late twenties, I'm like, okay. We have yeah, to, we have to buckle down. <laughs> it's all about it's all about uh, preventative care. Exactly, exactly. You know, and I'm already like don't you know, let, like, don't wait for the Botox to do the work for you. Do the work ahead of time yourself. Well, I'm thinking about starting to freeze it up soon. I think I, I think I said I was gonna do it for my 27th birthday, but I think I might just do it for like my 28th birthday and then just like start doing it like every six months because like once you start, you have to continue. You know what I mean? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Maybe one day. One day I'll care enough. I do have, I definitely like play like the straight guy card when it comes to my skin. I feel like I don't do nearly as, as what is as much as I could, but I, 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 sh I should get on it. No, that's, that's also like one of like my main, like, like journeys in life is to like get all like my male friends to like start caring about their skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah. 
So let's talk about the music here. You got this new album, Heterosexuality, came out a little over a month ago. One month anniversary. One month anniversary. Yeah, last Friday. So one month anniversary came out February 11th. And um, yeah. And you feel real. And how do you feel about this album? Yeah, I think it's my best. I think it's my best to date. Um, and uh, the response has been funny. <laughs> I saw like the, the predictable mixed review from Pitchfork. I think reviews have just been mixed over the board. It's funny because every time I, it's so funny. It's like clockwork. Every time I say that like the reviews have been funny, immediately everyone brings up the pitchwork review. Um, <laughs> there aren't as many, there aren't that many media outlets that do like ranked or like graded reviews anymore. Yeah. Know? Which is like, which is like, you know, I, but, but it's just, it's just funny to me because it's just like, to me, like the Pitchfork review is just like his whole own entity. <laughs> I think even just aside from Pitchfork, I think just like some of like the individual and like independent things that I've seen, um, it has been mixed and like not, you know, like not that I care. Like I've had panned albums before, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I like, you know, at the end of the day, like I do music for me. Um, but I just think that it's really funny because like usually this is the first album where it's truly been mixed, right? Like self-titled, the one before this was just like universally praised. Ratchet was universally praised. And then I have like albums like Hope and Revelations that was just like kind of universally panned in like some ways. Like obviously some people liked it, but it was like, you know, more panned. And, and I understood why, you know what I mean? But I think this is the first record where it's truly like it, I've only I haven't seen any in between. It's been like album of the year or like I don't like it. Like it's, it's, no <laughs> think, one has been. I think before. that's a, I think that's a good sign though. I think that's I think so too. Like, I don't hate it. It's just like a new feeling. It's the kind of thing where like that the the albums that get that kind of reaction are the kind of albums that that are retroactively ten or fifteen years in the future looked upon positively. Usually, yeah, I think this know. might be my Pinkerton. <laughs> your Pinkerton, yeah, totally. This could totally be your Pinkerton. Yeah, wasn't it like an Eminem album that they like re-reviewed? Am I? Oh, they always re-review like every Sunday. I think yeah. that's like a thing that they do now. A re really? Yeah. yeah. It's like no, they need to, if you review it, you got to stick by like. Oh, you mean like the re oh yeah, they did like a special thing where they like re like change scores. I thought you meant yeah. they like, go back and like re. I didn't like that at all. I didn't like that at all. Like, yeah. I have to go back on what you said, you know, like, what? It's, you know, you know, I'm not going to talk much about Pitchfork because I feel like we're in the whole world, <laughs> the yeah. whole war. And um, mm -hmm. I don't, you know, because there's a lot of people there that, like, I love, like, I have, like, you know, people there that, like, literally, like, lifetime, like, homies. And, like, I know it's just, like, a whole operation and everything. And, like, you know, I think at the end of the day, they're, like, you know, a respectable um, publication and mm -hmm. I think it's cool you know because in a world where like there's like publications like that where people actually truly care about the reviews and I mm -hmm. think that that's still um it's something that like you know I don't want to talk down or diminish because like you know we don't have many like there used to be like a bunch of different you know there used to be like the enemy and like they're still enemy but like you know it used to be like you know they used to have physical prints and like everything and like mm -hmm. you know now I, I personally like music reviews because I think it, you know, I, t I, I listen to them and I don't take them personally. And like, if there's, it, you know, if there's like true criticism that I can like take with me, I enjoy that. And the fact that there's like not much music criticism anymore, just because of money and things that does kind of make me sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and we're trying to do more of that at Pop Dust, make it more mm -hmm. like an old school. Like I think the peak of music blogs was maybe like 2010, 2010 11 yeah. kind of that mm -hmm. era like when uh the the hype machine era um you guys are maybe a little bit too young to 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 remember that i and, remember and, <laughs> so yeah so before we started the show demi was really excited about to talk about like the production and how this album was put together right mm -hmm. yeah. Let's talk about the production. I mean, there was some rock flair. There was, you know, like your electronic flair. But I mean, the title itself. And I mean, even when it comes down to the track titles, um, I don't know. You just go for it, man. Yeah. Well, I wanted, I wanted the tracks, like the track titles, to just like tell his own story, even before yeah. you, like hear it. So, it was like cold brew. Well, it starts off gay gender, then misgender, mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. abomination, then I think. Um, caught up, father, cold brew, marriage, reproductive, and then nuclear. So just kind of just like to me through the titles, if you just like read the titles along alone, I think um, to me it tells a tale of um, of kind of like falling victim to the to you know the heterosexual world, right? Like maybe you have like these queer feelings starting with gay gender, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then you question your gender and sexuality with cisgender. And then that makes you feel like an abomination. And then you start thinking about your father and then you start thinking about marriage and then you conform because you want to reproduce. And then now you're with a wow. nuclear family and you're stuck. <laughs> wow. Was that pretty much, does that kind of describe your own personal story? No, um, I have a family. <laughs> 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 okay, so it was like a hypothetical thing. It was a hypothetical, but um, I think I think I think this I think the songs are about me not falling victim to mm. the the boxes, right? But I think the the titles alone tell the story of like maybe um you know the butterfly effect of like if I did mm -hmm. perform, you know, what would I have? one out of life you know what I mean because like I don't know like I don't I'm not eager to have kids but I like to like have kids one day and like have a family and like everything and like that's completely recontextualized when you're queer and not cis you know what I mean you have to like think about it in a completely new way than like you were taught to think about it right mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's funny I, I have a strange up I haven't talked about this much Shamir but I grew up my mom went to gay bars when I was a kid mm -hmm. and so I was around like that early night, we talked about this at our last interview about like the the gay, um, the country line dancing craze in the early 90s because mm -hmm. a lot of states had where you couldn't have two people of the same gender dancing together. So they had this like country line dancing thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, 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 um, it's interesting to me as there's been this boom in queer culture as like a straight cis guy to see the way that different people have handled their coming out mm -hmm. and the way they're presenting the way they're more free than they used to be. Mm -hmm. And also I feel like um, maybe you can shed some light on this, um, how they are appearing to other queer people. Is there a pressure to look a certain way to other queer people? You know what I'm saying? No. And I think that's another thing that like, you know, me, I think a me kind of like making a record like this why it took so long um because 
I didn't want to have that pressure on air. And I knew if I was going to kind of like explicitly talk about queerness that I wanted to do it like an open end type of way where I'm like, I'm not even critiquing anything really. I'm just kind of like really kind of talking about my experience and how that is in context of like the world that we live in. And I think that's another reason why I called it um, heterosexuality as well too, because like, I don't, I don't think of it really as like a queer record per se, you know what I mean? Like, I mm -hmm. think it's more so of a record about nonconformity. Like, I think anyone could kind of like, you know, and you know, you can tell me if I'm wrong or not, but I think even like, you know, you can identify as like being cis and straight and like still feel kind of like the friction of the confines of like the boxes of like what it means to be cis and straight. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's been so many like cis and straight people throughout history who still challenges like what that looks like. And you don't necessarily have to be queer to challenge like what that looks like. And I think that's also the cool thing about like, you know, 2022 and like TikTok and everything. Like there's so much like, you know, discourse around like you know straight boys wearing dresses or like whatever and like I do understand like where that comes from comes from and like I definitely you know have some qualms about that as well but also at the end of the day I think it's like a good thing like why not expand like what it means to be like cis and het as well yeah 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 um in terms of the the outside of the themes of this album uh production wise sonically it's very layered. It's very dense. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of goes off of, you know, the, the big song off of, um, I guess it was your last album, the, um, On My Own. On My Own. Um, yeah, was sort of almost like an intro to this sound that's on this album. So where did you, where did you go in terms of what kind of sounds were you looking for on the production side of this album, how did you want it to sound? Well, I want, okay, so I, you know, um, my friend Isaac Hollow Comet, he um, produced this entire album and his production was like, like the second half that I needed to be inspired to like make this record because he has a very like specific sound that like I absolutely fell in love with. Because the story goes is that like I started working on this record three weeks after self-titled came out. Mm -hmm. Um and it was because self-titled came out and um Isaac DM me and was like, Oh, I like self-titled, like we should work together like at some point. And I hadn't really written during that time because like promotion for self-titled was so grueling because you know, COVID and like figuring out how to like record and zoom and do things myself, you know what I mean? And like, you know, I had to do like my KXP session completely by myself because I live alone. So like, you know, like just setting up the stage in my house and doing all that stuff, like it was just like really grueling. So I think I just was too stressed to write. And that kind of made me feel down a little bit just because I'm so used to writing all the time consistently. And but I also like wasn't complaining too much because I, you know, I was in the process of releasing my seventh album. So I was just like, you know, letting it ride and, you know, didn't, didn't have any material. And then when he DM'd me his like production work, I was like, I've been searching for this sound my entire life. Mm. Like, 
I can't believe like here you are like sending me this right now. And then literally the next day, that's when we started writing. Like I just sent him stems and we finished the record in about three months. Along wow. your career, you've worked with a few different people, some of which are producers. You've also had multiple projects. Can you take us back to anorexia days? This is my Nardwar moment, not anorexia. Jimmy loves Nardwar, so. That's my biggest inspiration, Nardwar, for real. Okay, okay. First of all, I just want to address the name. I. The date, listen, we were 16. It's so bad. The name is so horrible. <laughs> like, don't cancel me, y'all. It's such I a bad love name. name. I like every time I every time I hear the name, I cringe. Like, it's just, you know, especially someone who like, you know, calls himself a mental health advocate. Like, I don't know. The name makes me cringe. Like, yeah, in like some spaces, it's like punk or like whatever. You know, that's what we're like going for. But like, you know, we're young, stupid 16, like whatever. Um, but yeah, anorexia was my band that I started when I was 16. Um, actually 15, 16, uh, with my friend, Christina, who, uh, literally, uh, became my touring basis, um, for 2017 to 2019. Um, and, uh, literally the only reason why she's not touring this record is, uh, because she's in school. She's going to school for, um, music production. Um, but yeah, so we we are still collaborators and, you know, still talk about music and she's literally like my best friend. But yeah, that was kind of like my first like taste in, into music because I was like, our, that was the first time that like I got noticed like on internet and like, you know, by publications like Bitch Magazine wrote about us because we were like really like big like in like the feminist punk space. So Bitch Magazine wrote about us, She Shreds wrote about us, and then um, we got enough buzz just around that and Tumblr, Tumblr mm-hmm. days, that yeah. we were able to play South by Southwest our senior year of high school. We were like literally still in high school and like had to like take days off of school. Like I remember going to my counselor's office, I'm like, I'm going to South by Southwest. Um, <laughs> see you later. You know, yeah. See you later. And, and at this point, it was crazy because like, we most of our fans was like in the um, Pacific Northwest, like feminist realm. No one cared about us in Vegas. Like we barely had play shows. Like we played more shows like in South by than we did like the entire time that we were like recording and making music in Vegas. Like all our fans was like either like international or like within like the Portland, Seattle, like feminist scene. So um, a friend from that scene, had a showcase in Austin, booked us. And then when we came back, that's when Las Vegas finally wrote about us. Cause he was like, um, a band called Anorexia that's local is at South by right now. <laughs> like, and we didn't know. And so, yeah, when we came back, we were like in the local paper and like, they photographed us and like everything. And yeah, that was like my first kind of like, yeah, like experience with just like music and like they actually been noticed by my music and like, yeah, like doing it. I don't know where Demi went, but we'll uh, hope she comes back. <laughs> um, just you and me, I was like, oh, there's this is you and me. It was like um, perfect timing too. Like I was, like, I was yeah, finishing. Yeah, it was I, like... I was like, I was like, because our producer Hope, she's the one who usually messes with the camera. And I was like, oh, is she here? So we'll see. <laughs> Demi, oh, there's Demi. Um, okay, Demi's uh, back. just cut out. Okay, I'm back. back. Okay. <laughs> So 
Speaking of that, uh, Shamir, you are from Vegas and we mm-hmm. talked about your um, interesting relationship with your hometown last time mm-hmm. you were on the show. You're not a big fan of Vegas, but one thing that we didn't talk about is how has Vegas reacted to your career? Have you gotten any like interviews with like the local alt weekly, the local newspaper? Mm-hmm. Like, are they, do they, does Vegas embrace you? Yeah, I think, yeah, Vegas definitely does embrace me um, as best as they can. I just think that it's just, you know, the local scene in Vegas is just a little bit more, um, it's just a little harder to, like, build from, I guess I could say is, like, the word. Um, But, like, it's definitely there. Like, I don't want to, I think one of the biggest frustrations about Vegas local musicians that, you know, definitely, like, we tried to push against, too, when we were, you know, doing our thing back in high school, is that, you know, that we exist, you know what I mean? It's just, like, it's it's a little harder to get our name out there, but, like, we exist, and I never want Vegas to feel like that, like, you know, I'm downplaying the local scene out there, but, again, just like I said, like, Vegas is a capitalist hellhole, and, like, that is just, Mm -hmm. that is just the situation of the fact, and so I know that there's people out there trying but it's hard. And um, and so, you know, because of that, you know, I'm still only indie famous. So like, you know, I'll, I'll get like the local papers and like everything. And like, you know, I've been on like some of the like local covers and that's really the only time that I hear from people like from back home was like, oh, Shamir like must be doing well cause he's on like a local mm-hmm. cover of the paper. Um, but it's different in Philly. In Philly, they, they treat me like a God. <laughs> yeah, Philly's very supportive. Yeah. You know, what's silly is, is, you know, Demi's in New York. I was, I just moved to LA like a month ago and I don't know why I never pulled the trigger on it, but I was like, I'm friends with Sadie Dupuis. She's in, mm-hmm. she's in Philly. Shamir's in Philly. We could have like, me and Demi could have jumped in the car and like did some Literally. like person stuff in Philly and the, the uh, opportunity has gone, but you know, maybe someday. Yeah, definitely someday. Come through. Yeah. Are you like, you like dead? Are you, are you like in Philly for life? Are you like a Philly guy now i think so i think so i think you know if i'm ever rolling in a deep my long-term goal is to um i want to have a studio like in the middle of nowhere nevada not necessarily las vegas but in the middle of nowhere nevada that's like a house but also a studio where like artists can go and just like be secluded and like record kind of like what kanye has in um, wyoming Um, I want that like in Nevada and then I wouldn't mind um, just like a small like condo in LA because you know there's just so much work in LA yeah that's another thing is uh, you had just done well you hadn't just done but he had recently done uh, Tuca and Birdie um, Mm -hmm. and the, uh, the animated TV show and you talked about how you wanted to go out to LA to do more voiceover acting stuff. Mm-hmm. How's that going? Well, I just, I just recorded for season three, took a birdie um, last fall. Um, and they're so, they're so nice and accommodating because they'll just like find me a studio out here and mm-hmm. I record all my stuff myself. It's a little isolating, but yeah. And yeah, you know, I definitely still want to like do that. And like, again, haven't been really been able to, to like, you know, go out to LA for like, you know, an extended period of time and do it like that. Like I was out there for like a month 
um, last summer, but again, doing so much like music stuff. And like, that's why, like, yeah, I like, yeah, big, big goal. I think even before the, like the Nevada one, like if I could get like a condo in LA, that would be like perfect. Yeah. Just so for part-time, just to like audition, do work. And cause this is still so much work out there, but I don't want to live out there. I don't. I feel it. I feel it. When you're making projects, I wondered, because I also wanted to ask about the heterosexuality cover art. Um, how specific are you with cover art? And is it just as like grueling to like figure out the like the visual for a project as it is to finish a project? I would say it's even more grueling. Like music is the easy part for me, you know? <laughs> like, but I do enjoy the art stuff more now than I did maybe in the past, like with the Ratchet era. Mm -hmm. Thank God I had a label because like, I would not have known what to do because like, I remember they set me up with, um, I think his name is Mike Zimmerman, who had the art mm -hmm. for Ratchet, which is like amazing, you know, that neon black cover. Amazing, iconic now, you know what I mean? Like he really like did amazing. But I remember when we had our first meeting, um, he was like, what do you want? I was like, can you, you just want to just like do whatever? Like, I was oh just, like just do whatever. I trust you. I like you. I trust you. Just like go off. And that's what he delivered. And I was like, great, let's do it. <laughs> but now I like, yeah, now I like definitely think it through. And like, you know, with this one, as I said, like in the, in the press release, like it's inspired by like the Baphomet figure. And that was like definitely imagery that I wanted to play on that I knew that I wanted to play on before, honestly, I even started writing the record. Yeah, I was wondering the origins of that character, of that, the antlers and all that kind of thing. I know that that in the, um, in the deer and antelope world, male animals have the antlers and females don't. Yeah. And if that has something to do with it or like- No, I was just dumb. I found that out on, 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 on Twitter. I had somebody, cause I was just like, yeah. Cause I was like, oh, I, I look really good in antlers. Cause people always told me that I have no eyes. And then someone's like, babe, like those don't have antlers. <laughs> like what do I do now? Like leave me alone. <laughs> I, I think I think I just responded, um, child anyway. So. <laughs> oh my God. I was like oh trying to like read like a deep meaning into the whole but maybe thing. that is you know what i mean i think there's been so many kind of like happy accidents in that way where like mm -hmm. obviously the title of the record heterosexuality is not a happy accident like that was intentional but mm -hmm. i was doing it to kind of like troll but then once i like really thought about it i'm like actually it's really the perfect title because like it really is just you know it's not about me being heterosexual but it's about my relationship as a queer person with the heterosexual world yeah. So I was like, actually, it's very apt. Like, literally, I could not have named it anything else. It's heterosexuality, heterosexuality as a subject, yes. not as your own personal identity or your. Well, own that's why it's called hetero. Someone said that, and I was like, that's why it's called heterosexuality and not heterosexual. Mm. Yes, there mm. you go. There you go. So Shamir, you're, you're going to do a song for us. Yeah. From the album, mm -hmm. which one are you going to do? You're going to do cold brew, right? I'm going to do cold brew. I'm like not drinking cold brew. It's just regular coffee. I got a Wawa. Um, let's go, Wawa. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna do Copper too. It's like, it's funny because my cousin is here because he's gonna drive us down to South by, and I was like sitting there contemplating, I'm like, oh, I want Copper, don't want Copper right now. It's like, no, I'm gonna do it like the hot coffee because I just like hot coffee, like chills me down a little bit, and it's like 6 p.m. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's almost my little brother once was like, I think he was like 18 time. Um, he lives in Florida. He was like, um, I'm gonna take you to dinner, and I was like, 
I was like, you, you're 18. Where are you going to take me? I'm like, yeah. job? he takes, I'm like, oh, so I was like, okay, let me go. I was like, oh, he's going to take me. Okay. That's so cute. Mm -hmm. you know? I visit every once in a while. He takes me to Wawa. He was like, look, this is the best place ever. You can get anything you want. And I was like, I was like, all right. Honestly, I'm obsessed with that. And I will be actually so happy. Like Wawa, the only thing I that I like it. about Wawa though, because like I, I, Uber Eats, Uber Eats, Uber Eats, this, oh, how do you yeah. say Uber Eats? Uber I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Uber Eats, this, um, <laughs> I had Uber Eats send it and like, um, you can't do it yourself. You can't make it right. Well, well, no, that's not even a problem. Like, it's just like when I was on tour last, last month, that was like my first time like going in for like in a while and i saw the calorie counter and i was like this is demonic i don't like you can't look at that you There's can't a calorie counter on uber eats no 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 when you go in in wawa now so like whatever like all everything you add and everything you do they like add up the calories so you can see how like many calories your entire milk is and i'm like i hate that whose idea was that whose idea was that yeah <laughs> Fire, fire them now. I love Wawa, but <laughs> whoever's ideas that in corporate, fire them now. Killing the dream. Killing yeah. the Wawa dream. Yeah. All right, anyway, yes, cold brew. <laughs> <laughs> I have a guitar. You can't see it in frame. But yes. I am playing. Do you, do you have a name for your guitar? Do you name your guitars? I don't, but I think I think I actually called this one Loretta because Fender sent it to me, and it's like one of the nicest guitars I've ever had. It's like literally a two thousand dollar guitar. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, that, that, that like matte paint job is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, Loretta, that's Loretta. Loretta. Okay, so here performing with Loretta the guitar is Shamir, <laughs> and here's Cold Brew. <laughs> Thank you. 
doing an album release show in Brooklyn at the Soul Room on Friday. What other live tour shows do you got coming up? Got some stuff in the summer that's not announced yet, but yeah, definitely look out in the summer for more. Do you remember the day that you wrote Cold Brew and like what did that what did that feel like and what kind of headspace you were in? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, it was one of the middle songs that you know, I think we already had like three or four songs under our belt, me and Isaac at that point. And again, you know, this was during a pandemic. So like we were completely demoing these just via email. And so I was just like, you know, still just like very inspired and like, you know, felt like I had his production instincts like internalized and like in my DNA. So when I wrote the song, like I... I knew how he was going to produce it before he even released it. Like, and so I, when I wrote it, I wrote it, um, I, I did like my own whole demo because normally I was given vocals and guitar, but I fully mapped out the song. Like I used like my drum machine to like do like some early like drum stuff, you know, the bass part, the guitar part. And I recorded it all on my four track. It sent him like that full demo and then sent him the stems. And yeah, I was, yeah, I think the headspace that I was like in during that time was just like fully writing mode because I knew that I was just like making this record. Um, but that song specifically is about um, when 
I, at that point, I was, I was about like, yeah, like a little over a year, um, quitting cigarettes. And, um, and yeah, it was something about kind of like giving up cigarettes where I was like having these like crazy nightmares. Like, Were you using Chantix? No. Oh, I, I had a cold turkey. Oh, wow. Because I had, I had an aunt who used Chantix and it gave her nightmares. So, wow. Yeah. I think it was the combination of that. I also like quit smoking weed and I wasn't like drinking as much too because I don't, I don't like drink like at home. Um, so I think it was just kind of like raw, the feeling of raw dogging reality. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> like, raw dogging reality. Yeah. It just like unearthed traumas that, you know, I'm sure all of my vices was like, you know, um, uh, mending for me, I guess. And they all kind of just like came up subconsciously, like in my nightmares and like, not even just like when I was sleeping, but like, the nightmares was like really crazy because I'm a person who's not even used to like remembering their dreams. Like I'm convinced I typically don't dream. So that was just like a really like intense time for me. So that's where like the line cold brew and ginger beer to get rid of these nightmares came about because like, also I was going through a huge cold in 2020 lockdown. I discovered my love for cold brew. Like I would, I still drink so much cold brew, but that's when, that's when the addiction started. Well, Demi's a caffeine <laughs> nut. I don't partake as much in like Dimmy dead ass drinks for locos, so it's a whole other level. My friend was telling me, or my cousin was telling me about, um, you mm -hmm. know, dying on four loco, and I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty fine with four loco. The only thing that like I don't agree with is like the sugar because yeah. I just like oh. I can't do sugar like at all. Really. I'm a sugar person, really. I can't do sugar, yeah. yeah. I, I typically like I'm because your skin's so I, good. Well, I when I do drink, I drink like a uh, a farmer. I drink just bullet bourbon, preferably, but I like just bourbon in general. And I just literally drink it on the rocks. Like when you go to Mike, my, my dad has become a bourbon guy. When we go to restaurants now, he's got to order like whatever, uh, like uh, signature bourbon cocktail the restaurant offers. Or have you gotten into mixology and stuff? Or you just like straight up, just like no, I drink straight bourbon on the rocks. Oh, yeah. um, okay. <laughs> I like, I like, I like bullet bourbon. That's like my go-to and it's like on my writer. Um, but oh, yeah, bullet do... bourbon in your writer. Okay. Absolutely. What, what, that's, what else is it? What else is in your writer? Um, gluten-free snacks, um, gluten-free, like fizzy alcoholic beverages. Like if they can do like cider or seltzer. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, that's it. I'm simple. I don't eat much. Nothing too crazy or hard to obtain. No, I'm not one of those people. Not one like, of those people. Those people yeah. are annoying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for coming on the show again, Shamir. Thank you. And for blessing us with a song performance. We weren't expecting that when we, when we booked this. So it was a nice little treat for us. Yeah, it's the least I could do for being late. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So check out Shamir's new album, Heterosexuality, is out now, and hopefully some touring stuff in the summer. And of course, uh, um, catch Shamir and Tukin Birdie on Adult Swim whenever you feel like it. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Shamir. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. 
All right, guys. So that'll be it for us. You can catch us, of course, on past episodes on YouTube and Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter and, uh, and what else? Oh yeah. TikTok, of course. All right. So until next week, we'll see you later.